Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. Today we're in one of my... We're going to be exploring one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament, the story of Daniel and the lion's den. So if if you'd open up your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6, we're going to be working extensively today in Daniel chapter 6. And as you're turning there, I want to share a story about two famous Germans that you might know. Let's see the picture of them there, Rob. Siegfried and Roy. Siegfried and Roy. Famous, famous German guys, right? They actually have a pretty fascinating backstory as I was researching this week and learning about them. And uh, one of their fathers died in the in the war and uh, uh, was, you know, trying to make ends meet. And one was a magician. One was an animal lover. They somehow met. And then a legacy was born of of their uh, entertainment empire, really. And they had one of the most profitable shows on the Vegas Strip, I think the most profitable at the time, at the Mirage. Uh, and of course, it was Matt, it, they were doing illusions, they were doing, you know, they had live animals, of course, lions and tigers. But they had an incident in 2003, many of you know, and one of their tigers, Manticore, um, grabbed Roy by the neck in his mouth and drug him off stage, severing an, or nicking an artery, and, and Roy almost bled out right there on the stage. But somehow they got him to the hospital, and he was able to recover. But can you imagine being in the audience, and the thousands of people who were there were shocked and horrified watching this? I mean, just that a, lot, a, a tiger could drag a grown man across the stage by his neck. It's ugh, gruesome. And after decades, I mean decades of performing with lions and tigers all over the world, in one instant, it was over. And I mean, we know this, big cats can never be tamed. They can be controlled, but they can never be contained, uh, tamed. That's why you can't purchase a Bengal tiger at PetSmart, right? That's why you can't do that. It would be super cool if you could do that, but you can't do it. And I, I mean, every, what would really happen is a lot of people would buy Bengal tiger cubs, and then when they got about six months old, they'd let them go in the street. That's what would basically happen. It would, be, it would be chaos. You know, big cats naturally do a few things well. They prowl, they run really fast, they kill, and they eat lots of meat. That's what big cats do. That's their nature. And at the end, anyone who works with big animals like this runs the risk of a similar incident that Roy faced. The tiger that attacked Roy was trained. He was controlled. And still, it almost killed him. He had a relationship with this tiger. Imagine being thrown into a pit with wild, hungry lions. You don't have a whip. You don't have a torch like Indiana Jones. You don't have kitty treats. You don't have anything. You're going to die after all. That's why you were thrown in the pit in the first place. And that's exactly what happened to Daniel in one of the most riveting historical accounts of God's miraculous protection and covering in the entire Bible. So if you're there... Turn with me. Let's start in chapter 6, verse 1. And we're going to go through the whole thing because I looked for places to cut it out. I couldn't, okay? So bear with me. I'm going to make it as entertaining as possible. It pleased Darius. Okay, now Darius, I want you to get an idea of who he is. He's kind of an emperor, 
okay? He's an emperor, and he's, he set over the kingdom 120 satraps or princes to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them, three high officials or kings, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps would give account so that the king may suffer no loss, right? King, the emperor cannot rule over everything. And it goes on to say, then this Daniel became distinguished among all the other high officials and satraps because of the excellent spirit that was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to found, find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors all agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. So they're flattering the king here. They're saying, king, nobody should be, nothing, no deity, no god should be worshipped except you. You alone are worthy of worship. And of course, this flatters the king, and he agrees. It goes on to say, therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction, and Daniel knew that the document had been signed. He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before God. And they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man with in 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. And the king answered, and he said, The thing stands fast, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you've signed, but he makes petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and had it in his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. These men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, king, that this is the law of the Medes and Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And the stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with his own signet of, uh, with the signet of the Lord's, that nothing may be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his place and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled, fled from him. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near where, to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. And the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. 
And the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. And so Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Not only was Daniel not eaten, he was not scratched, he was not maimed in any way. And the king commanded that those men who had maliciously accused Daniel be brought and cast into the den of lions. And they and their children and their wives, and before they even reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke their bones to pieces. And King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth. When we see this in the Old Testament, we see the words dwell on the earth. That means all of the known earth at this time. Peace may be multiplied to be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal domain, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall be never be destroyed, and his dominion shall never uh, shall be there shall be no end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of King Cyrus the Persian. That's a pretty amazing story, isn't it? Right? And I think from this, from this chapter, I've extracted three main points, three big ideas that we can take from this text. And the first is this, that those who abide in the Lord have peace. Peace. Peace eludes so many today. You know, people who seemingly have it all, they don't have peace. And maybe you've never really truly known peace. You see people with peace, you, you, you're like, how can you be so calm? How can you, where, where is that coming from? Where is the source of peace? Well, we look at Daniel and we see, where does his peace come from? It comes from his relationship with God. It comes from his re- relationship with the Lord. We also learn from his example. Who Remember, Daniel is not there, he's not a noble by birth. Right? He's not there because he's privileged. He's actually in exile. It's because of God's blessing on him that he's exalted to this level uh, of leadership. And one thing it shows us is that a believer does not have to compromise to succeed. That we don't have to, we don't have to compromise our morals or our values in order to succeed. Matthew 6.33 says this, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. This is a promise from God. Do you believe that today? That if we put God first in everything we do, including our work life, which can be very secular, everything about where you work may be not about God, right? Maybe antithetical to the gospel. But that doesn't mean that you, you have to compromise. It doesn't mean that you have to give in. It means that you have to honor God and allow God to exalt you, allow God to bring you up. Because see, when we, when we give in to that pressure, we say, well, if I don't act such and such a way, if I don't say such and such a thing, or if I don't blend in, I'm not going to be promoted. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to get that next promotion. What you're saying is that that person, that supervisor, that chain of command, whatever your situation may be, is in charge of your destiny, not God. That the person who brings true blessing into your life is not God, it's your boss. That's not true. That's not true. It's God who brings the blessing into your life, and you must first honor him. We have to take that promise, and we got to get a hold of it. Another thing we learn from Daniel's story is that the wicked always hate the just. The wicked always hate the just, and uh, we will face, we will face um, separation we will be ostracized at times, but make sure it's because you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ, not because you're a jerk. 
right? I mean, there are people who are like, well, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, nobody in my office likes me. Uh, it's because I'm a Christian. No, it's because you're a jerk. It's because you're a jerk. It's because you act like a jerk, you act superior, you throw scripture in everybody's face, and you make them to feel less than so you can feel more than. That's the reason people don't like you. It's not because of Jesus. Make sure that if you're rejected at work, it's because you're honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure that if you're rejected in culture, it's because you're honoring Jesus, not because you're being a jerk. But I want to promise you this, that if you serve Jesus, those who are serving the world, those who are serving our enemy, they're going to hate you. They're going to hate you. They're not going to like you. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, what fellowship does light have with darkness? None. Right? Because what does light do? It exposes darkness, doesn't it? And when people, I'm telling you, this happens in my own family. I don't preach the gospel that often in my family. Of course, they all know I'm a Christian, right? They all know I'm a pastor, but I'm not like, they know this, and I've presented the gospel, and I'm not throwing it in their face all the time, but my relationship with my family is not what it was because my family's in darkness, and I'm in light, and these two don't mix, and I don't enjoy the same things that I used to and, and, and the same things they still do, and so there's a, there's a divide there in our, in our relationship because that's just the way it is. And as we look at Daniel, we see that his character... His character, the, sh- the shaping of who he is over time, and his, his sheer will to abide in Christ during, in all circumstances, even in exile, made his decisions regarding, regarding the compromise of bowing down to Darius easy. Right? It was established already that that was not going to happen. As a matter of fact, we see in Scripture that not only did Daniel know that this decree was signed, not only did he know that this law was, was enforceable, he opened up his windows in his upper room and prayed like he had always done. It didn't change who he was. He wasn't going to allow it to change. You know, church, I want to tell you, we're coming to the place in our culture, and our society, where laws are being written to oppress religious freedom. That's for sure. And I do think that the time will come where the freedom I enjoy behind the pulpit may be stripped, right? Hate speech may be imposed upon me. And maybe I'll be thrown in prison. I'm not going to stop preaching the gospel, if I go to prison, I go to prison. And I don't just say that lightly. I mean, I know that that's a situation. And it's not just a situation that may happen in the U.S. It's a situation that's already very real in places like China and Vietnam and the Middle East, right? Where not only may you be thrown in prison, but you may be killed for preaching the gospel. Because those who preach lies always hate the truth. That's the problem. And they will kill the truth. They will do anything they can to oppress the truth. And that's why I think in Western culture, let me just get on a little hobby horse here that I didn't get on in the first cult, in the first service, but that's why freedom among cultures and people is so paramount. I believe if there was freedom in the Middle East to preach the gospel, we'd see, a, we'd see nations, rev, a revival that on a scale we've never seen. If, if, it was, if you were free to preach the gospel in North Korea, we'd see a revival. There's already a revival happening. It's underground. But we would see a just... Because Jesus is Lord of lords and King of kings. And I don't care if people want to explore religion. They will come back to Jesus because he is the truth. And when people have the freedom to choose, then they will choose Christ. I believe this. I believe this. Okay, a little hobby horse for freedom there, okay? I think it's important. 
Daniel had peace in his heart. He was praying, he was giving thanks, he was making his appeal known to God, and even this law didn't change anything about it. Philippians 4, 6 tells us, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Are you troubled today? Are you anxious about something? The Bible says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Well, it's easy for you to say, Bible, right? <laughs> but he's, it's, it goes on to say, in everything, Pray. Daniel's praying. He's, he's saying, God, do you see my situation? I'm in exile, and I've honored you, and now I'm about to be thrown into a den of lions for praying. He's letting God know. He's, he's crying out to God. Who, who better to fix your circumstances? Who better to rectify what you're going through than God? Daniel understood this, and that gave him peace. And when our heart is settled on God, when our heart is settled on his will for our lives, we will have strength, we'll have courage, and we'll have the peace that Daniel had through trials. Those who abide in the Lord shall have peace. The second point we can take from this text is that success comes from faithfulness, not capitulation or surrender. Success comes from faithfulness. We see that in Daniel. Right now, things, the deck is stacked against Daniel. He's about to be thrown into a pit of lions. But it's his faithfulness that he, he it, it's his faithfulness that will rescue him. The Bible says this, Jesus says this, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Listen to that again. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you're not of the world, but because I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Church, being rejected for your faith is not something to loathe. It's something to welcome. It's a badge of honor, really, right? If people don't want to hang out with you because you're a Christian and they don't want to be confronted with your Christianity, that's not abnormal. Remember that Jesus was crucified by religious people, that his own people rejected him. The same people who welcomed his birth, the same people who uh, laid out the palms as he rode a donkey into Jerusalem were the same people shouting, crucify him. Remember that. And so you're not experiencing anything that Jesus hasn't already experienced. As a matter of fact, he tells you as clear as day in John, if they hate you, it's because they hate me, right? Don't worry, you're not going through anything I haven't gone through. Now, in the book that I referenced a few weeks ago, The Insanity of God, written by a missionary named Nick Ripkin, who was exploring the world, kind of looking at the persecuted church while he's in China. He's in a big meeting, and, and they're, they're, they're sharing with him their experiences, and many of them have a testimony of being in prison for their faith, but some of them are, their answer was, not yet. I haven't been imprisoned yet. But they're fully expecting to be in prison. They're fully expecting that to happen. As a matter of fact, they would jokingly refer to their imprisonment as their seminary. I haven't yet been to seminary. They're just, they know it's going to happen. They know that because they are light, that the darkness is pursuing them, that they're going to be thrown into prison, and they're fully expecting it. See, that doesn't jive with our Western gospel with our Western culture, the theology of suffering is something that's foreign to us, that our Chinese brothers and sisters, though we have many advantages over them, this is one advantage they have over us, yes, suffering. Sharing in the sufferings of Christ for the gospel. Sharing that. And see, I was, 
I was talking with Marcus after the men's breakfast yesterday, and we were talking about suffering and, you know, suffering around the world, and that though we don't, we don't experience this kind of suffering, we somehow need to share in it. And, and this was part of the motivation of our, my challenge to us last month to forsake a weekend, to give those funds instead of enjoying those funds, but to, to like feel that pinch and give them away instead. See, some, of, some people acted like I was asking for their firstborn child in that. What I'm asking you to do is to share in the sufferings of Christ to suffer a little bit, to go without so somebody can have something, right? I mean, I think we'll get it, but we, we've got to be willing to just lay it all down at his feet and be willing to suffer whatever the cost. Daniel gives a great example of faithfulness through trials. However, his example is just a foreshadowing, really, of what Christ has done for us. See, Daniel's life was spared by the lions, but Jesus' life was not. This was God's will, that Daniel would live and be, be spared the lions, but that Jesus would suffer and die on the cross. And in each circumstance, God got the glory and his will was done in life and in death. See, whatever, the belie- whatever God calls the believer to, whatever situation we find ourselves in, no matter how uncomfortable or even dangerous it may be, we have the assurance from God himself through his word that he'll be with us, that he's on the throne and he knows what he is doing. Our calling, our whole purpose is to honor God and glorify him. That's our job on the earth. First Chronicles says this, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. My third point is this, that God is Lord over the lions. Amen. He is Lord over the lions. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5.8, we can't have a sermon about lions without referencing this verse. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. How many of you remember the Mutual of Omaha specials on like PBS and stuff where about nature? right? And uh, it's always lions, and they're chasing a herd of water buffalo or gazelles. And they, the lions always single out, or the hyenas always single out the sick, the weak, or the weak one, right? The young one. It, it was always really sad to see the baby gazelle get eaten, right? Or the ignorant one. The ignorant one. That gazelle who just thinks he doesn't need the protection of the herd. He's over there like, the grass is really good over here, y'all. I'm going over here. And he goes over here, and then the lions just pounce on him. All right? Because he's alone. He's by himself. These three are who the lion always eats. And it would always fascinate me how the lion, was, the lion pride was so coordinated. They would sometimes even push the herd and try to single out the one and there'd be some waiting and I just love to see the moment of the kill and then Stacy would turn off the TV or change the channel because she hated that right she can't even watch fish eat other fish it's weird okay but uh, anyway uh, it's the circle of life but yeah thank you Jordan but our enemy is the same He's on the prowl, and he's looking for the young. Hear me, church. He's looking for the young. He's looking for your children. He's looking for the weak. He's looking for the ignorant. When I say ignorant, what do I mean? Do I mean just not smart? No, I mean ignorant of God's word, ignorant of his promises, ignorant of who you are in Christ Jesus. That's who he's looking for, and he's seeking to devour 
Make no mistake about it. He's seeking to devour. He's not looking to maim. He's not looking to wound. He's looking to devour. The enemy is Satan. He's not your neighbor. He's not your coworker. He's not even your abuser if you suffered at the hand of an abuser. Our enemy is the devil and his minions. And his work in the world is what brings misery and despair. See, lions have big teeth and they have big claws, like huge, huge claws. It's ridiculous. And certainly when Daniel was thrown into the pit of law, what, what, what would you think? You know, you're, you're thrown into this pit and all of a sudden you're faced with a pride of lions. You see the teeth, you hear the hungry roars, you see the razor sharp claws. He saw all this, but he, he went willingly. He didn't even offer up a defense. He didn't scatter like we would have, right? Like, I'm going to be thrown into a den of lions. I need a lawyer. I need to organize my affairs. I need to offer up a defense. He just went. He's like, yeah, I broke the law. I prayed. Boom. Into the den of lions he goes. You think about his demeanor compared to Darius's. The Bible tells us that he had peace in the den of the lions, but Darius was up all night. Wouldn't even accept the company of a woman, right? Just wouldn't eat, wouldn't accept any diversions at night. I mean, hello, it's a woman, right? I'm not going to accept anything. Couldn't, and sleep fled from him, right? He didn't sleep all night. He was fretting. Darius, the emperor of the known world, had no peace. Daniel's in a den of lions, perfect peace. It's so weird, right? It's ironic, Daniel understood, though, what Darius did not, that God is Lord over all creation, even over lions. See, often we see the teeth, and we imagine the loss and the pain that is coming. But Daniel, Daniel saw an opportunity for God to be glorified. His peace was found in his relationship with God. It was established long before the enemy came with his razor fangs and sharp claws. See, you, you read in, in, in chapter 6 that after the decree was signed and after it was all enforced, that Daniel went up as he usually did, as he was accustomed to, and he opened up the windows. He wasn't hiding it. And he prayed. See, peace comes, Daniel's peace comes from his abiding in Christ, his relationship with God before the crisis hit. Church, we're really good at praying when crisis comes. We're really good on counting on God when it, when it all around us falls apart. We're good at that. And then as soon as everything's fixed again, we stop. Daniel, this was not Daniel's way. Daniel abided in Christ. He prayed. He sought God continually. And when the crisis came, he was ready. When compromise came, he knew the decision, the decision was already made. I'm not going to compromise. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. It, it, it was like second nature to him. He just opened up the windows and started praying like he always did. Because Daniel had confidence. I, I don't think Daniel knew what was going to happen in the lion's den. Daniel was thrown in there. Maybe he would have died. But he would have died a martyr. And he would have died honoring Christ, not compromising his values. And he knew what reward awaited him. That's a supreme confidence, church. You know, none of us are guaranteed another breath. And, you know, I'm, I'm, at, I'm not old, but I'm at the age where I got to be concerned about things I wasn't concerned about 20 years ago, you know, prostate health and uh, all this other stuff that you have to be concerned about when you're approaching 50, right? 
And, you know, you just get, it's just things you don't even think about. It's things old people think about, you know. And, but I, 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 every day you hear about somebody else who has cancer or is suffering or is going through something. But church, if that happens to you, if that happens to me, I want you to know that I have an assurance that I don't fear death. Now, I may fear the pain and suffering of sickness and disease, but I don't fear death. I don't fear separation from this body and to be in the presence of the Lord. And without being macabre or too dark, I, I look forward to that day. I really do. Because to be in the presence of the Lord is to not know any more pain, to not know any more discomfort, to not know sin anymore, to not struggle with sin anymore. Come on. And, and Daniel had this confidence that either in life or in death, God was going to be glorified. And if he dies, so what? He's going to be in the presence of God. If he lives, God is going to get the glory. The Bible says that the angels shut the mouths of the lions. Come on, that's awesome. That's awesome. The God of Daniel is still on the throne. He's not surprised by your circumstances or the circumstances of your loved ones, and he is still Lord over lions. Amen? Do you believe that today? Today I've asked Alex and Ellen Del Castillo to come and share a story or a testimony, not a story, story is made up, a testimony to give an eyewitness account of God shutting the mouth of the lions in their lives. So is Ellen back there with Jack? Okay. They've been in both services and their kids have had to endure both services. So um. Oh, it's not Jack. It's it's okay. Is he sleeping? Yeah, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Jack, who apparently is sleeping elsewhere. Um, now, so we wanted to share with you, and, and thanks, Matt, for letting us share and, and bring this up. Uh, I, as many of you know, we had our uh, son. Uh, he was born in August of this year. And uh, right out of the gate, we had some challenges. And some of you may or may not know um, but he was diagnosed with single-sided uh, deafness. Um, so he could hear uh, perfectly fine out of his right ear, but uh, with his left ear, he was uh, completely deaf. Um, they did initial tests when he was born, and they had thought initially maybe it was fluid. Uh, we actually had several follow-up appointments as well uh, with, with doctors in, in the area, and it got to one point where they uh, were kind of as a standard. They hooked him up to certain brain monitoring scans, and they were setting off noises that were, frankly, a, a hundred decibels, so it's like a, a balloon popping or a firework in, in your ear, and there was no brain activity. Um, that hit us very, very hard. We came in here, we prayed, you know, we, we went to, to Matt right away, and, and Shane, Jordan, and Stacy, and everyone, and, and the people that we knew, uh, we began praying uh, for months. And it was really hard uh, initially. We, we went through some shock about, you know, why and, and why not us instead? And we started asking all these questions. But I think we did get to a very, very good place, which was, God, please help Jack. Uh, but if you can't, that's okay. Because, God, we know you love Jack. And if your plan for him is to go through life with that challenge, and that's that's okay. I mean, we we knew that. Um, and then on Tuesday of this week, uh, Ellen took Jack in uh, for another appointment to figure out what treatment alternatives there were and what options. 
Um, and the doctors looked at her completely flabbergasted. And within two or three weeks, they told her that Jack had regained about 95% of his hearing. <laughs> so so we, uh, we, were, we were witness to a, a Christmas miracle. And so that's not the only one, obviously, in, in our life. I mean, there are more, but so everyone knows. Uh, if anyone ever has any doubt about whether or not miracles are real and what they actually happen, they need to talk to us. Please talk to us. We will let you know that they are real. So thank you. Hey, man. Thank you, Alex and Alan, for sharing that testimony. Uh, it, it, you know, they shared in the first service, too, that, you know, after that test where the balloon popping and the brain activity, they asked, was there any chance that this could reverse? And the doctor just kind of hung his head and said, we don't want to give you false hope, you know. And uh, church, you know, we see miracles and the cynical side of us always says, okay, well, maybe it just was, you know, maybe just had earwax or whatever. I don't know, whatever. You know, we make excuses but the truth is, he went to the doctors. He had the brain scan. They were setting off the sounds in his ear. No response in his brain activity. And here he is, a few weeks later, 95% of his hearing restored. That God is good. Amen? Amen. And I'm going to keep praying for that other 5%, you know. Uh, maybe it's just not there yet. You know, it's just a work in progress. And, you know, that it's just like, you know, wait to load. Boom. And then... It's probably already there at 100, all right? And we're just going to trust God for that. That's, you, can, you could talk to a lot of people about miracles in our church. We, this is the second definitely absolutely verifiable miracle we've experienced in our church regarding children. And so we're very just blessed at the provision of God and what he's done. And, and uh, I have to admit that I am a skeptic myself in my nature. That's, that's who I am. And, and, uh, but I have experienced truly miraculous things here. And uh, I'm just, like Alex, blown away by the power of God and his verifiable miracle-working power. Amen? And it just shows us that as dire as the circumstances are, I mean, you know, again, Celia and Damien, doctor said, there's just there's no chance. There's no chance. Uh, you know, but that's the enemy. He's got fangs. And he's got claws. That's all he's got. That's all he's got. We've got God. You know, I love that thing, you know, we're facing circumstances and we're explaining them and then just finish the sentence, but God, but God, God is on the throne. God can do anything. The Bible says that everything is possible through him. Everything, no matter what the doctors say, no matter what the circumstances are, it's possible. Don't give in to the fangs. Don't give in to the claws. Don't give in to the roars. Trust in the Lord your God like Daniel did. Because he's still on the throne. He's not surprised. He's not surprised by your circumstances. He wasn't surprised that King Darius wanted to be worshipped. He wasn't surprised that flattery won the day and that he inadvertently signed what was to be Daniel's death warrant. He wasn't surprised. He wasn't surprised when Daniel was thrown into the pit. He wasn't surprised when the angels came and closed the mouths of, of the lions. And when he, was, when he came out and was restored to his position in exile... He's not surprised. He's not surprised by whatever you find yourself in. He's still Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.